Pellicle is proudly sponsored by Lochran Brewers Select, a seventh generation family owned business based near Dundalk in Ireland. In 2014, James Lochran established Lochran Brewing Stores in order to supply high quality brewing ingredients to the burgeoning beer industries in the UK, Ireland, and mainland Europe. The business expanded in 2022 when ingredient wholesaler Brewers Select joined the Lochran family, expanding its suppliers within the brewing ingredient and raw material industry. Some of those suppliers include Crosby Hops, a family-owned hop farm in Oregon, USA, Baird's Malt here in the UK, and industry-leading yeast producer Lalamond. Thanks to their support, we're able to pay more writers, photographers, and illustrators than ever before, and invest in special projects like this podcast. Thanks again to Lochran Brewers Select, who you can find out more about by visiting brewersselect.co.uk forward slash pellicle. And now... Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another instalment of the Pellicle Podcast with me, Matthew Curtis, and the final of our instalment of episodes that we recorded up at FineFest last year. Before we get into this episode, I do just want to say a couple of thank yous to A.D. Fenwick, who is the marketing lead up at Fine Ales, and to Jamie Delap, who is the owner and managing director. Thank you so much for inviting Pellicle back to FineFest and for allowing us to celebrate what is such a wonderful event with you. And thank you again for inviting us back to do it all again this year. It means a lot for you folks to put that faith into us. We can't wait to introduce you to some really excellent breweries at this year's FineFest and tickets are still available. If you haven't been to FineFest, it is truly one of the great beer events that happens in the UK. And you can get your ticket by heading to finefest.com. This panel discussion, the last in a series of five, in case you haven't listened to our previous episodes yet, asks the question, is independence in brewing more important than ever? Those of you who've been attending FineFest for a little while will know that we actually did a panel on independence before. And one of the panellists from that, Matt Clark, who is the co-owner and head brewer at Lakes Bruco in Kendall, he was actually the head brewer at Hawkshead Brewery at the time and had a very different perspective on the value of independence to a brewery and to the brewing industry and to drinkers of beer as well. In fact, that last panel, I listened back to it and there's a flatness to it. There's not really a definitive answer on whether independence matters or not. And largely, I think the conclusion is that it's not that important. And I've came away feeling a little flat, a little disappointed from that talk. But revisiting this topic, I felt was a good idea. And what we have from 2019 is a bit of time and a bit of perspective and a great range of voices that have a lot of experience in the realms of independence, not least Matt Clark and Michelle Gay of Lakes Bruco in Kendall, who both worked for Hawkshead, which is now a part of Halewood Wines and Spirits, who own, among other things, Crabby's Ginger Beer and Stone's Tonic Wine. We're also joined by Vic Strong, who works for Magic Rock Brewery in Huddersfield, Yorkshire. And what I find interesting about this is that Magic Rock were acquired by Lion, a large Australian conglomerate, and ultimately it didn't work out for them. So two years after that, they were acquired by another limited company called Odyssey Inns. But actually, it's just one person, as we'll learn in this panel discussion, technically making Magic Rock an independent business again. So to have that input from someone who's seen both sides of the coin is really fascinating. And our panel is completed by Darren Anley, who's the owner of Siren Craft Brew in Berkshire a brewery that has been going for over a decade now and I guess is what you would call a medium-sized brewery. It's not a small brewery, but it's not huge either. It's a really well-informed and experienced panel and I want to say to all of the panellists, I really appreciate your input here because I think this is a really interesting discussion. If you want my opinion, stick around for the end of the episode and I shall quickly ruminate on a bit of independence. But for now, 
let's head back to the Glen and ask that question. Is independence in brewing more important than ever? Does independence in beer still matter? Uh, It's something I'm really interested to get into, especially because we actually hosted this same discussion in 2019, and Matt from Lakes Bruco was on that panel, and I'm very interested in uh, understanding how his perception might have changed in that time. We've got a fantastic... For this topic, we've got such a great panel. Uh, So, in the middle here, we've got Darren Anley, who is the founder and MD of Siren Craft Brewery in Berkshire. Uh, We've got Vic Strong from Magic Rock Brewing Company, uh, head of marketing and strategy. Senior brand manager. Senior brand manager. And we have Matt Clark and Michelle Gay from Lakes Bruco in Kendall. And the first thing I'm going to do, and you're closest to me, Vic, so you can go first. If you would just like to introduce yourself uh, to the audience and tell them a little bit about what you do at Magic Rock. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Vic. So I work on strategy and innovation across the Magic Rock brand. So that's directing um, anything that the brewers are going to be brewing, looking at the audience that that's going to be going to, making sure it's kind of the product we should be doing, and uh, then getting them to come up with a recipe and releasing it. So anything kind of pre-brew and post-brew that isn't to do with brewing and packaging is, is what I do. So the easiest way to describe it. Darren, tell us a bit about Siren and uh, what your day-to-day looks like. I present uh, Grand Designs on Channel 4 <laughs> quite regularly. So, <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I'm Darren Anley. I'm the founder of Siren. We started uh, 10 years ago. My day-to-day covers a bit of everything. I poke my nose in lots of stuff, but I've got, we've got a fantastic team that kind of covers everything from the marketing to the brewing side. So my, I, I guess my day-to-day is just working with them to see what we can do to elevate it. Brilliant. Matt and Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourselves and Lakes Bruco. Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm in Matt. Um, I'm one of the co-founders and owner at Lakes Bruco. Uh, relatively new. We're coming up to two years old. I found myself out the back of COVID with nothing else to do, so I thought, hey, start a brewery, you know. And Matt's also our head brewer and designs all our beers <laughs> and is very talented. Um, hi, Michelle. I'm co-founder, creative director at um, Lex Bruco. Um, yeah, just basically run everything from the marketing side, social media side, and everything in between. And it's, we're a real small team, so we pretty much do everything on a daily basis all together. So, yeah, that's us. Darren, let's start with you. What's the importance to Siren, if at all, of being an independent producer in 2023? It's a great question. I think, um, I mean, ultimately, it's down to the consumer, I think, you know, whether it's important or not. Uh, for me, I, I think of the question as, I, I like to reframe it as, do you want choice? And I think that's, that's where, I think for me, the, 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 the the importance of independence has has a place because otherwise we're left to the big few companies just buying up all of the other small small breweries and or small producers. It's not we're not just talking about uh, you know brewing here, but and uh, and obviously that ends up reducing choice. So I think for me the question is, do you want choice? And I got into this uh, industry because I loved uh, I loved the stories. I liked connecting with the brands that I was really interested. Uh, in, in hearing about what they did, why they did it, the choices they made. And, and for me, that's kind of what got me into it. And I think yeah, a, a, there, there's been a big move towards that um, you know, provenance piece. You know, whether it means it's a better beer or whatever, you know, I'm not saying independence is that, but independence is choice. So for me, I think that, that's, that's still relevant. And, and I think it's still something we need to shout about. And I think it's still something we need to uh, fight for you know, pretty fiercely. What are the challenges of being an independent producer? What are the resources you wish you would have that, that maybe a, a larger company might have access to that you don't as a smaller producer? So it's really funny. I know you did this conversation with these guys in, what did you say, 2019? 2019, 2019. Yeah. So we, we did a, a panel in 2021 for our eighth birthday. And 
yeah, we kind of had that, that similar conversation. I was just looking up the notes that I wrote prior to that. So sorry about this, Vic. But, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, obviously being a big, uh, having a big company behind you uh, does is it gives you access to resources that we just don't have, you know. So, uh, you know, and actually I talked in 2021 about just prior to COVID, how we lost, uh, you know, a lot of taps to when Lion had bought out uh, Magic Rock and, uh, and Thorpeer, sorry, couldn't think. Um, yeah, when, when they bought those guys out, uh, where they had just the, the, the money to throw at saying, you know, you know, take on three or four of our different products, beers to the consumer, looks like they've got, you've got a nice little, uh, a, a nice little uh, font tap thing going on. Um, but for, for, for brewers such as ourselves and, you know, and these guys, um, you know, and I'm guessing you now again, but it, you know, it, it, it just removes that choice side so of things. We don't have access to those kind of, those kind of funds to do that. You say, you say that, though, but we, as Lions, still found it difficult uh, to compete with, with bigger um, non-independent brands. So it was still, yeah. it, from, from the face of it, it looked like we were just sweeping in, but it was still massively difficult. Yeah. Vic, um, yes. your first day at Magic Rock was the day of the Lion acquisition. What pretty was, pretty what, much, yeah. yeah. Um, what, just what, after. what was the business like at that time? Still very much in um, the same mindset that it was uh, under Rich Burhouse. Um, it was probably a good 18 months before, um, before processors, paperwork started creeping in. Some of them, some of them made sense. Some of them were, um, I say box ticking, but they probably had a bit of a better place, better um, meaning place than, uh, than box ticking. But yeah, the, I think I came into a brand under Rich Burhouse and I trusted Rich Burhouse. So um, yeah, it was, it, was an easy, uh, it was an easy role to fill with him um, on the helm. So. so how does it feel now that you're under new ownership you are technically an independent business again so what's the feeling we are yeah and going from an indi- uh, a non-independent brand to an independent brand has been another um it's been a bit of a, a transition we've had to learn relearn how to do things again we've had to uh realize that budgets aren't infinite and um uh resources aren't infinite um they were within the marketing team um as part of the reacquisition, we lost quite a few, uh, a few team members that were part of Lion. Um, so it's just learning how to, we can still continue to do the best job and get the brand out there as much as possible without having to spend the amount of money that we were spending before. To be fair, I'm pretty tight pursed. Like I've got a very Yorkshire outlook on, um, on budget and, and I, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, but yeah. What's, what's the feeling in Huddersfield? Because I remember after the takeover that a lot of locals uh, stopped drinking Magic Rock beer because they, they, they wanted to support local for, for various reasons. Do you think that's changing now? I would say that we didn't lose that many drinkers. We have still... Magic Rock has always had a great sense of community and I think that's one of the things that I think is most important, more than independence, is brands that have a sense of community and a sense of place within a... Uh, within a, a town, within whether it's online, um, I think that is something that is going to drive a brand and make it stay um, and make it loved and keep that loyalty. Is having that sense of purpose almost as a brand, rather than uh, rather than it being independent or you know uh, non-independent. Matt. Last time you sat on this, this very panel, although in the much cooler top barn, you worked for Hawkshead Brewery, which had been taken over by Halewood Wine and Spirits. Matt and Michelle, you both worked for, for Hawkshead Brewery. But on that panel, you did favourably talk about some of the things that you had got access to under that, such as the new brew house um, and access to, to raw materials. Uh, how has, without going too much into your own personal circumstance, how has your, in, your opinion changed uh, since um, you were made redundant by Hawkshead and you moved and started your own brewery in, in Lakes? Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as saying how much my opinions have changed something. Um, sort of back when I spoke about independence back then as well, we were taken over by a family-run independent 
company that owned brands such as Whitley Neal, X and X. They had, you know, access to bigger budgets, this market support and all of that, um, which, you know, sometimes is a good thing and sometimes isn't a great thing. Um, I think clearly one of the things you get to learn when you're working under a bigger organization and a structure is uh, you're not necessarily directly related as a person. Um, it come quite clear as you get further down that you can quite easily appear as a, balance, a figure on a balance sheet, effectively. Um, at board level, your name appears, but you mean nothing, you know. You effectively cost this much to the company. Times get tough. We cut bigger overheads, um, which become apparent sort of in the sense, uh, you know, there's, there's a family behind the controlling stake of this business, and it's still independent, but the board making the decisions, um, you know... Um, it's a bigger company. Uh, heading into COVID just before, uh, there was further bigger problems in the wider business, which were unfortunately absorbed with some of the smaller outlets that they had as well, so they could sweep some stuff under the rug. So, um, yeah, I, I was always... I enjoyed, I tried to still treat, I think... The thing that hurt the most through all of it was I like the close contact. I like the family approach to things. I like people to enjoy what they do and give their most in. I still treat the company like that, tried to move forward with people, but things were changing daily that were out of my control. And it come down to the factors I, you know, I didn't really have any control. I can't relate to my staff what's going on because I didn't know. So, therefore, you know, um, COVID rolled around and all of a sudden I was told that I was made redundant and I also had to make another 12 members of staff redundant as well, which is, you know, but effectively if I walked in, I knew that they would all be left out, so I stayed on, went through the process with another 12 members of staff, went through that, restructuring and all of that, and yeah, walked away after 15 years with a crate and a few things, and uh, yeah, um, was looking to see what I did next, you know. It was the other side of that, which was, was tough, you know, building a brand for 15 years with a family, you know, that... I moved over from New Zealand, you know, Alex, who owned it originally, was sort of like a father figure. We went through a lot with that. My kids grew up, which was one of the hardest things, you know. You have your sort of five, seven-year-old, like, oh, shit, all our friends have gone all of a sudden, you know. Because it's a family thing, you know, growing up. And that's the independent thing with it is, you know, we all have grown together, you know, built brands together and all of that and that's that's the thing i'm going off on a complete tangent but no, uh, I, I was just thinking that's a great answer that's very it's, sincere it's, it's, uh, it's, it's no you know it, it's, it's certain things like that and uh you know what it was it was hard i i admit i never wanted to start my own brewery i never wanted to start a brand again i never wanted to do it out the back of covid that's for sure but here you are yeah and well a lot of it's down to as well michelle come on board and the amazing work she was doing in the later and actually keeping me there and keeping me sane was a big part so pass it over to Michelle I was going to say Michelle what was that experience that transitional period between Hawkshead and Lakes like like for you and, and how are you feeling now uh, a few years out of the end, end of that transition um, I think Grow, like both of us grew up in Hawkshead. I was latterly involved with Hawkshead, um, obviously, you know, but I grew up with Matt through it and obviously friends and, it, you know, you become family. We all grow up together in, this, in the craft brewery industry and, and um, yeah, it was really emotional um, and that was, I, I explain that now to people, you know, they're like, oh, it must be really hard and it's like, no, it's not hard seeing what they're doing 
or what's going on with Hogshead because they're carrying on under Hillwood and doing. But we also we had that emotional tie that was very very hard um, because we yeah grew up together and and everybody was sort of in there. But I think when we um, came out of the out of Hawkshead and we sort of reflected back on what we, we'd done and what we we still got to do it was a case of uh, we can't see ourselves doing anything else so it was um, and moving away from where we, we lived we, we have a, fa- a young family you know they were happy we were happy you know and moving away from that area and a, a massive hole was left um, when we left Hawkshead I'm not saying that big headedly or anything and the whole team you know left um, so there was an opportunity there that we could start a brand and um, yeah, it was it was one that we sort of wanted to focus down on and actually bring back the essence of where we'd come from and we wanted to bring that back to the start, you know, and, and really sort of do things that we love doing because, you know, we know it works and we love it and, um, you know, in a small team and everyone's passionate and working together and just sort of really creating something really good and nice for like community as well you know we've got um such a great following now and it's it's obviously come from like historical as well but you know the, the new people have come on board as well and seeing what we're doing and um so yeah the the brand was the brand came first because we were waiting so long for the brew kit <laughs> and yeah you know it's that modernity that we wanted to sort of do within the lakes and because that's something, again, really important to us because where we're from, it's not all uh, sort of chintzy and all this sort of stuff. And there's so many amazing um, independent artisanal producers within the lakes and it's a real community there. So, And we've really tapped, like, we've found it so much um, and tapped into it now and, you know, little events that we're doing together and it's just, it's, it's brilliant. And I think that's the sort of, you know, yeah, we struggle to sort of, go um people say well can you stick us a line in and we're like we really can't because we can't afford to invest in that yet you know i mean eventually yeah we'd love to have lines all over the lakes and i think it's really important to sort of look after our homeland um and that sort of for us is very important and it wasn't lost um you know we didn't want to just sort of look outwardly we wanted to look inwardly as well you know it's um so yeah that's sort of darren what challenges does competing against multinational-owned brands? Let's give a couple of examples here. Beavertown and, and Brixton, uh, certainly in the southeast uh, where you largely operate. What challenges do they present a mid-sized independent brewery like you, yours? What maybe aren't consumers seeing? I think the... Um, so, so I think one of the things that... The conversations you hear when a, when a, when a brewery gets bought out is... Well, as long as the beer doesn't change, then I'm happy. I don't really care. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a perfectly valid statement. I, you know, I get that. You, know, you like the taste of that product. I'm not going to say liquid. Uh, you, know, you like oh. the taste of that. And uh, you know, that, that's, that's perfectly valid. <laughs> but what it does, as, as I was saying earlier, I think it just knocks, off, it just knocks on that choice thing. You know? And, and we, we, we do see it all the time. Yeah, we... we, we uh, yeah, all all of those all of those brands that you mentioned there. That's um, yeah, they're they're challenging. They're, they're, they've got the the ability to to drive down a price point that we can't do. We don't want to do. Um, yeah, the, the beer industry is a really interesting one. I mean, uh, so we have a, a sales manager who came from Heineken, and you could just see how how their their whole thing model works. The sales guys just get targeted and paid on refreshing or, or, or uh, putting in a new tap. So what do they do? They, one year it's this one. The next year is that one. So no one's getting any new taps. It's just, you know, they've just spent shit, sorry, more money than... You, you can know, swear it's the Pellicle podcast. Oh, we, we, we yeah, they've just spent shitloads of money to just literally move the deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, it's really as simple as that. Um, and we don't, we don't, obviously, we don't, that's not what we're about. You know, we're trying to make a sustainable business that can, can grow sustainably, can pay the people that, uh, you know, uh, sustainably and, and, and build, you know, all the stuff that goes around that. And it's, um, so yeah, we, that, that's the biggest challenge, I think, is, you know, it's just the money they can throw at it to, to, uh, to steal the taps. Vic, what kind of advantages did Lion's ownership uh, give Magic Rock? Uh, and did those, did those advantages outweigh 
the challenges that it, that also brought? Like, was there an advantageous position to being under Lion? Yes and no. Um, with Lion, there were lots of pros. Um, over COVID, we had a we had um, support for all of our staff. Um, what you weren't all made redundant? <laughs> yeah, well, not many. Um, we had um, we had the ability and the resource, and more importantly, we had the knowledge from other members of the team to help us in areas that we may not have had that support before, which has carried on now. Um, now we are um, a, a member of CBA again. Yay! Yay! Um, so we've been able to grow on that support, that learning and, the, and development um, to, to enable the brewery to be a bit better. A uh, bit better. <laughs> That's really underplaying it, isn't it? But just um, kind of answering a bit of what you were asked as well. We had um, the ability to be able to go into more pub groups and run promotion, which we wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to do before because A... I would have no idea how to do that sort of thing. Um, and B, we just wouldn't have had the funds available to run, uh, run price promotions and, um, and get people out there knowing about the brand. But I think... Um, I am going to answer Darren's question a little bit as well, if that's okay. I think there is a, a place for the bigger brands. There is a place for the bigger brands like Beavertown, like Camden, to be available to consumers to get them into the category. And if they weren't there at the price point that they are offered, people wouldn't be as open to the smaller brands that are more expensive. Um, prime example is my brother. My brother was a Heineken Carling drinker, now drinks neck oil and will try other beers on the bar. Um, and I think, you know, he's not, he is absolutely not on rate beer. He is absolutely not on the UK craft uh, you know, UK CBF, like there's no 6% in him of the, of the beer drinking community at all, but he is just a consumer out there that has tried a beer that he likes and is looking for more beers that he likes. So, for instance, he tries Lakes Bruco, he will have Siren if it's on the bar, and he'll text me and my partner when he's trying a Magic Rock or Salt beer. Um, and he's getting excited by it because of that, um, that availableness. So... I mean, I, I, I totally agree with, with all of that. Um, yeah, and I, th I think where the, where the challenge is, is, is in the fact that you've got, take Heineken as a great case in point. Yeah, they have you know, Lagunitas, uh, Beavertown and Brixton. And so they're able to go in and say, right, stick in smart disp dispense. We'll stick all the, all the, bit, the big, big name lagers. There's your, there's your price point, there's your margin. And, I, and I've got three great craft, brew, you know, craft beer ranges for you here on that. And that's 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 where the challenge is because it's kind of yeah it's kind of going out and making it look like the, you know to your to, to your average consumer you know they, they've got a they, they've got a good range but, yeah they do and it's you know but it's but it's taking the other independents small brands off off those taps definitely we've gone we've gone in a good circle there because that's what I was trying to ask earlier not maybe getting my question out right but you've you've answered what I what I hoped uh, you answered and it's really interesting like I'll just you know pop around the northern quarter in Manchester and you see a, a young you know a Gen Z sort of 21 to 25 year old drinker and the phrase is should we go and get a few neck oils it's not should we go for a pint and it's it's absolutely insane to me to see how ubiquitous that brand has become, and, and the amount of advertising uh, they do, that the billboard ads that are all over the UK at the moment, and you know, I remember when it was a, a five-barrel kit in a restaurant, and it, it kind of blows my mind. And the next question I'm going to ask uh, all of you, uh, and we'll start with you, Vic. Like, what do you think being bought out does to a, a consumer's perception of a brand, and what was your experience of that, that perception changing at Magic Rock? Well, I think the perception changes no matter what. Um, you, you grow your brewery, you expand, people change their perception. You um, make a beer that somebody doesn't like, they change their perception of you. You only create core beers, your perceptions change. Like Magic Rock has never been a brewery that's churned out um, a new brew every week. So I, I kind of feel like we fell into quite a nice little routine um, we knew the products that we wanted to push. 
Um, and they weren't products that, that Lion wanted to push. They were the products that we really liked as brewers that we knew were ones that were sessionable, that, were, that, would, that would do well in the market. Um, perceptions did change, but its perception has changed within the small beer community. Perceptions to consumers, from consumers didn't change as much, and it's really easy to get lost in... Um, in the people that we socialise with all the time and the people that are loudest on Twitter or loudest on Facebook groups um, and really get caught up in that. Um, when you actually realise that there's 80, you know, 80% of people out there drinking that the perception hasn't changed. And, you know, that's, that's where the market is that we're going to grow. We knew Magic Rock um, would never grow within that smaller beer community how do we appeal outside of that now? So it, it actually made it really interesting and exciting because it absolutely made me change my perception of the brand as well. It made me think more laterally about how we can make Magic Rock a product for people that potentially aren't interested um, in, in the beers that we make or don't know the brand. Um, how do we grow that way? So, Matt and Michelle, how do you think a buyout affects uh, the the perception of a brand from a consumer and how how did that happen with Hawkshead do you think I think the overall perceptions not you know it's a very you know there's a lot of big brands out there but you know Bear seems to be one of those that people get really one two with and a buyout that's it you know things are going to change and I think buyouts on that sense and the linear approach is Yes, there is change. Usually, the approach with a buyout is you're already on that growth scale. You're moving to that. You're going to grow more. And, you know, within bears we produce on a smaller scale at a modest level, you know, then you're growing. You've got more stock holding. Once, you know, cans you had, they were getting out to people within a week. Now you've got six months, three months. Bells, you've got more stock holding, more strength. So the linear approach is, well, you've cut ingredients, you know. You've been brought out, accountancy, brewing's come into it. You've cut funds, but effectively, no, you, you, you might just be on that growth trail where, you know, expanding this brand at such a rate is more detrimental than, you know, actually, you know, as soon as we, we sold, um, and you used to get it every day, Windermere Pale's not the same anymore, They've told you to cut this. I've told you to do that. You know, we'll look back at, and we were we were nearly say on citrus used in that. We were probably you know 75 to 100 percent up on the use of citra within that brand moving forward because the general consensus and people's palates with hop creep and everything like that were like, well, oh, you're clearly not putting the ingredients in now. And we even we had a really good one to one point where. We had a new operating system into Brewman stock, which printed out labels, had a little ingredients box on it. Someone found the barrel out the back of the pub, and it didn't have citra listed on it. So therefore, we were brought out. I was told to remove citra from Windermere Pale, and that's why it wasn't. No, it was clearly because we didn't fill in the ingredients list to the extent on that. But that's how far it got, you know, to the sense they're making you cut corners. And I can say truly with that, they, they, you know, there was, there was no economy of scales getting pushed down on there. It was, you know, more so that ability to grow and to keep things as fresh as you had and, and to keep moving at that scale on the fragile nature of craft beer. It's like that. All of a sudden, we don't have the cold storage to do that and all that. We're holding more of that. And I, I think... It's that whole ride with the whole buyout that is, is tough in that thing. And, and also as well, you know, you lose that personal touch. There, there isn't, like Darren's got, you know, a, a, quite a big operation and a good team under him, but he's still got that personal approach. He's, he's there, it's related. I talked to, you know, how he treats Soundwave, which has been around for a, still looking for that moment he had when he first created it, that, you know, with your head brewer and that, trying to, to you know, on a QA basis, which is the finer points that 
the independent business has, as opposed to the buyer where, you know, it's, it's people like myself, Darren, Matt, who, you know, you own it through, but yeah. Not Liquid Mistress, though. <laughs> That's another, another question for another panel another time. But Malt is coming back. I'm just going to keep reaffirming that Malt is, Malt is, is back. <laughs> it is, yes. Michelle, do you have anything to add yeah. on, on the brand perception I think of a brewery after a buyout? I think from my perspective is as well that people are massively invested in um, um, a small brewery. You know, they become sort of... It becomes almost like they're sort of they follow you, they follow the the like you say, and the personal touch and and everything like that. And it's it's almost like it loses an exclusivity as well. You know, it, it, it it's everywhere now. Okay, so it's like you know, like you say, neck oil and everything. It's everywhere. But once upon a time, I had to go to a specific place to get that, and it was it really well kept and really sort of, and you knew that beer was going to be brilliant, and it was sort of. Um, the uh, the locality of it and everything and um, so i think it's um um it, i think it, it it's it's a, it's a weird one with beer because it's almost like it's it's it it hurts more almost people seem to get so wound up about it and um which is perfectly fine i'm quite up for that you know and it's um it's because people are invested in it and they've 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 almost grown with the brewery and watched it flourish and watch new beers come out and they're excited for the next new thing where now it's almost like potentially, okay, they're going to churn out thousands and thousands and thousands of litres of this uh, beer that, you know, is it going to change? You know, people, I suppose it's maybe, are they scared, you know, that their, their once beloved beer is going to change and so they lose something and it's like it's a comfort thing and, and that's the thing, you know, so, yeah. Speaking as a consumer, that's how I feel about neck oil. And to some, some extent, Cannonball, you know. 100%. But, no, my, 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 my hope is that Cannonball is, is coming back. But, you know, neck oil used to be very different beer to how it is now. It's, it's, but, but, well, my question is, though, if an independent brand was pushing at the volume that Beavertown was pushing, would that be an issue to consumers? That's, um, that's where I see the, the line. Like, if, if you are... Um, you know, a medium-sized brewery, you've got your hero product, you're going to push it out, you're really proud of it, you're going to get it as many bars as possible, you want people to, you know, you want the neck oil effect. Is that any different if you um, are putting your money behind just this one brand? Lucky Saint are a prime example of that. They're absolutely putting their money behind one, one brand, they're going big with that one brand. Um, and they're absolutely achieving incredible things. That, the growth of that company is, is unreal. Um, and as far as I'm aware, I, I don't know anything else. Uh, they're, they're an independ independently owned business. I don't really know a lot about them, to be fair, Darren. But that, that is a prime example of that, like, you know, that effect. Well, I mean, it's sort of like that whole thing of, like, but the more people know about it, the less special it gets. It's, it's that, is it that sort of effect as well, you know? And it is, it's like, oh, well, I found this really niche thing that's mine and it's sort of so... I mean, yeah, of course, you know, I'd love one of our core beers to be, you know, as many places because, of course, that builds our business and sort of it builds a, um, the brand that we love and we've created and everything that that's means something to us. But, like, the people who are fans, they want to... Do they want to keep it? exclusive for the for for us you know for the craft beer market and you know and we don't want the whole world to sort of know you know it's it's it is it's that sort of like it's my special it's like finding it's like finding your special place and no yeah you don't want anyone else going up there you know sort of thing and stuff it's like, I wonder how many, um, just looking at it from a, from a totally laterally, sorry, Matthew, I feel like I've just totally <laughs> taken over. No, this is great. Them. Carry on. Um, <laughs> from, if we look at it from a totally different angle, I wonder how many consumers were lost when Cadbury's was, uh, was purchased. Um, and it, I ju with beer, I always find it so interesting that it's beer that I feel like has, I, I don't know whether it's because this is the world that I'm in, this is the people I socialise with, this is the forums that I'm reading... Are there some? What I really genuinely want to know: Are there chocolate fans out there? Is there a chocolate forum? Yeah, is there a UK chocolate <laughs> craft beer, UK chocolate craft forum? That they aren't they aren't eating Cadbury's. They aren't you know 
they really don't like Warburton's bread. They'll only buy it from... Like, that is the thing that... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, what, what, do you, what do you think motivates this, Darren? Why do you think like, there's this outrage from consumers and some uh, beer pundits as well when a brewery sells out? Are you talking about yourself here? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, look, we're in the wrong place for this discussion in many ways because the people here, are, they're, 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 they're supporting independence and... Um, yeah, I think it comes back down to that point of choice that, 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 that we started talking about, and I, I think that's I think that's the bit that for, you know, if we if we all end up selling out to big multi big multinationals, like, uh, that's the bit that goes. It will be it will be choice. You, know, you, you haven't got to look too far back to uh, to all the breweries, all the regional breweries that we had that owned loads of pubs, and they were given the, the ultimatum was say, well, you, you know, pubs or you know, breweries, you can't, you can't do both. And most of them pretty much sold all the breweries. You know, th- that, was, that was their choice because that was where the money was. Brewery is not, you know, brewing is not a money-making business. Uh, is it? No. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of knew that when I, when I went in. And, uh, yeah, I, but it, 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 and, and, you know... The, the, it, I don't know, Andy's I, looking pretty, pretty <laughs> flush over there on that Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> What's the shirt budget? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, it's, uh, look, it's a tough one. I mean, we, we've always been on the basis, uh, grown on the basis of, like, we've got some flagship beers. They are important to us, but we never wanted to be the Samway Brewery. We never wanted to be the Lumina Brewery. You know, they, they've got to be important parts of what we do. But what got me into the industry was that flexibility, that fun side. And, you know, the flagship beers are there to do what, you know, what Vic was talking about, which is talking to the, 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 the people outside of the 5,000 UK, you know, beer, whatever, you know, whatever that, that forum is called, you know. The, and and, and that, those, that's our customer base. That, those are the people I want to take on, on that journey. But I think you can only do that when you've got the chance and when you've got the ability to, you know, to, to have the platform. You know, and, and we've been going for 10 years. We've been lucky enough to, to build a bit of a platform but it's tough, and it's tough for all of us, you know, right, right now. You know, that it's, it's kind of shrinking, certainly from a, uh, you know, with people like, you know, Beavertown doing, you know, what they've done. It, it's, it's tough. It's, it's getting harder. Do you think that largely consumers care where their beers come from? No. No. I mean, I, it's the, the, the single most, you know, outside of your, 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 the, 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 the 5,000 people that we all talk to on Facebook and, you know, the, the bulk of them don't, don't give a shit. They don't mm. care. You know, as, as long as my neck oil tastes the same, in, you know, then, then, I'm, then, I'm, then I'm happy with that. Yeah, and, it, and, and it's cheaper. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we're all having that conversation with, with these people. But, you know, like what... We, we were just having a conversation about... Um, so, so Matt's custom, one of Matt's customers just got a Lakes Bruco tattoo, you know... And that was a person... Who, two well, years. Yeah, and that, and that was... Oh, yeah, we're not allowed to talk about it. Sorry. Their partner doesn't know. Uh, you know, but, that, but that's... You know, that's the fun side of things. They, they, weren't a, uh, they weren't an IPA drinker. They weren't a pale... You know, that, that hoppy, hazy... They weren't that customer. We, we've got customers like that. You know, I've got, I've, got, um, I've got a family of three ladies from the mum to the two daughters. They, they still come in now three years after their dad passed away drinking our stuff because he used to love the, the stouts that we did. And, and that's, why we, that's why we do things, I'm sorry. Let's not talk about independence, no, but, you know, but that's, that's the fun part of why we do what we do. No, that, that's, and, that's exactly, you know, we have a group of farmers that come in now and we, Michelle does a round of teas for the mums and all of that because they can have a good brew and they enjoy this and they just love the, the smaller touches that can be brought with this. But you know, when we're talking about everything, I just hope that craft isn't the thing that eats itself, though. You know, that biggest out downfall is craft itself, going full circle. And it's that- not multinationals that are playing this game. There's other big players that are coming through that... Uh, is, uh, that is that the name of your next beer, Craft Will Eaters? <laughs> craft Eats Craft. I was going to say, it, it definitely already has. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's still eating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's hungry. It's, there's some volume out there. And it's, I think sometimes we forget it's not just multinationals and all of this as well. There is, there is certain other, you know. 
Can I just say, you were just saying, like, you know, it already has. And I think, you know, what, what I think we just need to be careful of here is just, yeah, it's just this echo chamber mm. that we're all in, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a, there, yeah, we're almost all putting ourselves and talking ourselves down. Uh, and I think we need to move away from that because there are, we're all pulling in people that are new to what we do. And it's like, that's, that, that's our job. That's our job as independents is to make sure we communicate that and get them excited and passionate and, you know, do what happened to me 10 years ago, well, 13, 14 years ago. That's, that's our job. That's, that's, that's what we have to do as independents. We've that, got one of the nicest people in brewing sitting in the audience and isn't even smiling at the moment. <laughs> That, it's funny, that's how we approach Pellicle. It's how, how do we get people who... We know there's people who read about beer, but how do we get people who don't interested in it? And that's where our wine and cider thing came from, because like we like these things, and maybe there's people who might be interested in, in fine cider who might... Well, have you tr- read about this brewery that makes beer this way? And beer and showing people to, that there's more to life than, than just beer, and trying yeah. to uh, you know, treat beer as more of like a, a, a food... Rather than no, well, you, you know, you probably, a gastronomic thing, rather than just beer. You touched on it with when I was walking down with uh, from Gypsy Hill. He was talking about you know he was telling me about how they're pressing hops and all of that, and I'm like you know good luck relaying that and ha- you know what you're doing because you know half the time trying to define what a cask and a keg is is, is sort of you know but this education's ongoing. We all love to do it and try to get people to come on the ride but you know it's i'm from new zealand you know my dad comes over and a cask is just like what are you all about yeah my my partner's from new zealand and when her dad comes over he's like why why would you drink that because it's the best thing ever it's like oh it's that warm stuff (laughs) i'll I'll convince him eventually um (laughs) so uh, I want to talk about um, the Society for Independent Brewers before we open it up to the floor. If you've got any questions, have a think now. Um, because uh, something quite uh, exponential has happened. Magic Rock were kicked out of Ciba, uh for, for selling. And now that you are technically independent again, you've rejoined. We're, so, we're, I think we're the only brewery that's ever yeah, done you are, it. It's the only yeah. brewery it's, it's ever happened to. So what's the significance of, of that to Magic Rock? I think... The reason we did it is for, for ourselves. I think it kind of just gave us a little bit of a boost. It means we can start entering SIBA competitions. We love BRX um, and, we, and we went um, pre to us getting back into SIBA. And we were like, we want to be here. We want to be associated um, and in company with these guys. <laughs> um, we want to be on the bar with them and... Um, I think, I think it's quite, that's quite a difficult one to answer. I think it, it just seemed like the natural step for us to take to kind of, bit of give a bit of credibility back to a brand that people... This is to the beer community. This isn't to the everyday drinker. Um, that, you know, Magic Rocker here, we're, we, we never really changed the beers, but, you know, we are still an award-winning brewery and still to be taken seriously. Darren, what's your uh, feelings on CBA and how important is having uh, a, a functional trade organisation to an independent brewer? I would have to caveat it from my perspective. Um, I think, so to answer your first question, yes, it's super important. Um, we haven't had enough interactions with CBA. Every time I have, they've been amazing. You know, and so there's... Both, so, so for, I've generally come from a background of just do my, you know, it's, it's on me. We, we've got to sort this out. We've got to do what we need to do. So we haven't kind of relied on anybody else to pick our fights, to pick our battles. Um, so I haven't, we haven't you know, worked as closely as we could. Uh, it's a common uh, discussion and it's something that we, that we need to sort, solve and sort out and, and, and get much more, more active. Um, yeah, Andy uh, over the road from us uh, is is now our local representative, and we we should be doing more. So it's not a case of we don't we haven't done that because uh, we we don't see the value. Absolutely see the value. Um, it's it's just that my natural leaning has been you know 
we, we, solve, we look after our, our own problems and solve our own problems. Um, but there, there, there's a lot that, you know, that, that, that they're doing. There, there's a lot of uh, political power that they're trying to, to bring together to, to help fight our, our, uh, our battles with us. Um, so, yeah, we should be doing more. Matt and Michelle, what are your thoughts on, on CBER and, and uh, how, do they, how, do they benefit, how do they benefit you at, uh, at Lakes Bruco? CBER is... I've supported CBER for a lot of years through everything and, you know, there's been lots of voices raised at CBER that they should be doing more, doing X, but a lot of the voices have come from external and I think if a lot more people actively got involved with it, instead of looking at the financial arm, you know, people got upset with their director delivery scheme, um, stuff and that. But, you know, it's understandable with certain things. It's a body. It needs, it needs money to function. Um, not saying maybe that's the right way of going about it because it maybe counteracts some of the things they're searching for. But I, I think... It's been there. It's been good. Um, we've supported the competitions for a lot. You know, I've, we won the can competition last year in our first year of running national um, stuff like that. And I, I, you know, it's got stronger. And I think under certain reigns over the last couple of years, some of the work they did during COVID, out the back of COVID, was hugely dynamic, proactive. They were speaking within. And I think that's what needs forward. People like Andy moving forward, who has very clear views about what he likes within it. I think, once again, it, it fell maybe with a certain older guard, maybe, to one point where, you know, everyone's coming up, you know, cameras doing X and X. I just think it just needs more people. And, you know, I myself, but, you know, when you are taking on businesses younger now it, it's kind of hard because you want to give more time to it but I think there's plenty to get involved with there but a lot of people are still hung up on the fact of maybe some of the ulterior motives behind it and stuff like that whereas I think everyone needs a governing and one voice is good and you know there's lots of things going on with Scotland's you know return schemes and the new duty reform coming which is absolutely bonkers and is interesting so yeah i think support it and get one voice in and try and you know maybe get heard but michelle anything to add yeah i think from our point of view when we started it was sort of a no-brainer that we were actually going to sign up because um the facilities and the um, advice and um, everything that they hold in their database, starting a, a new business, um, it was quite immeasurable, really. And I'm, Matt's been involved with it a hell of a lot longer. But from my point of view, coming into sort of the business side of things, um, you know, you could always refer to something on there. Or there's always someone there that could potentially sort of give you advice um, on something that if you weren't sure about as a new business in the brewing industry... Um, someone, someone's already been there and done that, so they potentially will give you a little bit more um, of a steer towards the right way. You know, it's, it's a heck of a lot of things that you don't realise when you start a business um, in the brewing industry that, like, you know, you, all of your, your AWRSs and all of the paperwork you have to go through, duty, everything that you've got to sort of ab abide by to, um, to become a successful business um, within it. And they all have the keys there which are, are helpful you know, they might not suit what you want to do, but at least it's an advice there and it's someone to go to. Um, again, the competitions, they're all, um, they're not pay, you know, pay per, you know, like enter and all of this sort of stuff. So it's all very independent and very, um, you know, there's industry um, sort of brewers and uh, marketeers and salespeople, everyone who's been in, involved in the industry for a long time judging your beers. So you sort of almost feel a little more... Um, it's, it's more acceptable for me because it's sort of, yeah, you're not paying to be in, in a competition that, you know, I'm going to get a, an award anyway, you know, no matter what. So it's sort of, it's quite a kudos for us. Um, you know, we feel that's more acceptable. But, uh, yeah. I, I just want to say it's really positive uh, to hear you all uh, 
being positive about SIBA, I think it's a hugely important organization for, for small breweries in the UK. So it's nice to have a, a universal sentiment uh, and it's nice, just, it's nice to have Magic Rob back in the fold. Genuinely feels really nice. I'm going to open this to the floor now. Um, if you folks have a question for any of the panel about independence, raise your hand and I will bring the microphone to you. Or we could just go... Sorry, just quickly, Matt. What oh, yes. was your view on SIBA? My you, view... I'm yeah. very pro SIBA. Uh, I think it's brilliant, especially um, when James was in as MD yeah. through... Obviously, it burnt him out through COVID. That but, was the name I was looking for and it escaped me. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I just... Um, I think is incredibly important. Uh, you know, I view the industry as, as a journalist um, and I see this... You know, there's about 1,900 breweries in the UK, but 1,850 of them are very small. And I think uh, there needs to be a collective effort because there are big things. Like, a great example of SIBA's lobbying was with the uh, draft relief that it was at 40 litres and, uh, and, get, and, get, getting, 40. <laughs> and getting that to 20 litres. That was, you know, that, that was effective lobbying. It's, it's Barry at SIBA, I think, who's, who does the lobbying. He's really good because he, he can talk the politician's language. And someone like me, I can't. I just get really angry. But they Send can go... Send them hate they, mail. They, they can go... I don't get invi- invited to those all-party parliamentary beer, beer days. Um, but someone You like can ba- come with me next time. <laughs> I need to buy a suit if I did that. Um, but yeah, I'm... I'm uh, hugely positive about SIBA and, and its impact and uh, I, I hope to see it uh, flourish and thrive and I think having seen people like Andy, like Jager Wise uh, as directors uh, and pushing that forward is hugely positive. Any questions? Yes. Hi. Um, for Darren I guess um, mainly are you conscious about how big your brewery and your brand become for you to be able to keep your independence? I, I think um, the question about whether it remains independent is, you know, uh, how long I keep putting my hand in my pocket, I suppose. <laughs> no, that's, that's facetious. Um, I, I think from, a, from an independence point of view, you know, Siren will remain you know, independent. So... Um, the the question I I kind of feel is maybe is is the relevance of of it and and I think that that's up to us to figure out you know we're still you know we're, everything we do is about trying to make sure that you know we're not, it's not just a volume you know, a volume business you know we we've got to do certain things and we want to do certain things and that's important to us and it's important for us to get Soundwave and Lumina and Broken Dream out to uh, to yeah the, the, as many people as we possibly can. But largely, that's so that we can show them all the other fun stuff that we do. So, for me, that's that's the that's that's where the fun is. That's where uh, that's where the juice is, and that's what you know. As long as I try and keep hold of that, um, and the team keep hold of that, then I think you know that that's 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 where we'll aim. I just want to say, as a consumer, I think all of you touched on different things that. If you've got a local brewery in a tap room that you support all the time, you totally care about their story, where they've come from. But then you do also want to explore other breweries. And I think there's, there's room for everything, independence and non-independence. There's always going to be a market for everyone, whether you're niche or not. And you can maybe sometimes have a little bit of both. Any more questions? Mr. Parker. Uh, one, one thing that came up uh, yesterday was about the duty reform uh, and I know that um, when Lion acquired Magic Rock and Four Pure, um, that had immediate impact to the duty. They lost the relief because of the rules were that your global output counts towards your relief. They lost it immediately. Uh, effective August the 1st, that changes um, in that uh, large breweries acquiring smaller ones will now get up to three years relief uh, on the uh, duty of the smaller brewery. I wonder if there's any thoughts on how that will affect acquisitions and uh, impact independence going forward. Oh wow, I'm I missed that one on that because once again, um, <laughs> I don't read things to the extent like that. But uh, um, that was one of the big impacts. We were Hawkshead was bought by Halewood, and then about X amount of months later, we read on Twitter that they had just brought Saddlers, which meant we went to full duty overnight, which meant all our profit disappeared overnight and the business was virtually not viable on that scale. 
to which we said to the company, you've now bought another brewery. We now are on full duty. They went, oh, we didn't know that. So um, that's due diligence for you on a big company. You know, Sometimes you take for granted what you think they may understand, but clearly, no. In my uh, honesty, I'm just the colours and pictures uh, department, so I've got no idea. Sorry. <laughs> I think uh, to just throw something in there, I think look, we all know the state of the industry right now. There's never been so many breweries struggling and going under. Um, so there are going to be a lot of breweries that want an out, and they're going to need an out, and... Uh, this is going to make that easier and therefore make that conversation of independence and whether it's important much more, more, much more interesting and much more relevant. So I think I, I wasn't aware of that and, and I think that's, that's going to be a really, you know, really big thing. I think, I think another big thing here is that do the multinationals have the resources to make acquisitions now because their costs and debts are, are skyrocketing as well, especially if they're running large pub estates, which are costing them a fortune to run. So, like, you know, you, can you begrudge people for selling out when, when the getting was good, you know, and, and, and making, making that money? Um, but, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the next 18 months uh, plays out, um, indeed. Um, any more questions from the audience? Yes, I'm going to hop over here. So... About Magic Rock, uh, it's no longer owned by Lion, but it is owned by uh, Pepco, or did I misunderstand? Uh, yeah, so um, we, we were bought by Steve Cox. Um, I think something to do with us being a limited company before means that we had to be purchased by a limited company. So Odyssey Inns was the, the they made up the name to buy Magic Rock, but it's uh, a guy called Steve. We're just owned by a guy called Steve, who's really nice. Oh, so, so they don't own pubs anymore? He, um, just our pubs. So, okay, then the yeah, second part of the question uh, drops. <laughs> okay, um, I uh, am going to ask you all the same question, um, and you can all answer short or long. We'll start with Michelle. Does independence still matter in brewing? Yes. Purely because, again, as Darren has pointed out several times, the, it, it gives people choice to choose what they want to buy and and the more independence we have, the more exciting things we have because new people come in, have more new ideas and I think it just builds and grows the industry um, and it just, yeah, expands everybody's minds. So, yeah. Matt, does independence still matter in brewing? Wow. Yes, independence matters because I'm an independent brewer. No, um, on a serious note, um, independence, once again, is all touched on here. It's, it's, it's being able to still, you know, it's for the consumer. It's everything from, you know, creativity, the choice. You know, you've got certain go-tos, but I see that as gateway. I don't deal, you know, think sometimes what they do in the side of tying things and all that's right but you know what if it's a stepping stone to better things well you know what come on yeah independence matters darren uh so I, i've lived in reading pretty much all my life and reading is the identical town you know it is the absolute uh or was uh it's changing uh where you know the big brands go and that's it you know so your super dries your you know yada 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 the same as every other town that you might go to. And uh, I think that's what we fight for, to be better than that, or not better than that, just different, and to give people choice. Uh, and I support that. That's what got me into it. I like stories. I like choice. I like interesting things. Um, and for me, that's why independence is important. Vic, does independence still matter in brewing? Um, I think independence is important, but ultimately I think community, authenticity... Um, and what you do matters more. So That's a wonderful answer. It's a lovely way to wrap this up. Please give our panel a huge round of applause. If you'd asked me five years ago, is independence in brewing more important than ever? I would have said yes, absolutely. 
And you know what? When it comes to spending my money, I would much rather spend it with an independent, creative, forward-thinking brewery than one I think makes it difficult for smaller breweries to operate successfully in the marketplace, either through tide lines in pubs or really aggressive marketing techniques. But actually, ultimately, what matters is supporting an ethical business, not just an independent one. A brewery that supports its employees, that is dedicated to making the best quality product it can and using top quality ingredients to give something that is delicious and hopefully doesn't break the bank. It's not enough just to be an independent brewery anymore. Something I want to dig into when I've got a bit more time because, you know, you could be an independent brewery and you can treat people like shit. Do they deserve your support over a non-independent brewery? That's the question, really. I have a a longer episode coming up where I think I'm going to get into that a bit more rather than go on too long now. But yeah, I would rather support that independent, but I would always support an ethical brewery over an independent one, if that makes sense to you. Before I go, just a reminder that Pellicle is reader supported. That means we have 415 subscribers, which is amazing. It's the most we've ever had. And What they pay us every month goes directly towards supporting the writers, illustrators and photographers that we pay to create the content you read. So if you enjoy reading Pellicle or listening to this podcast, then please consider subscribing for the cost of a pint a month. Think about it, four quid, and that goes towards us. And then we put that towards making more of the stuff you enjoy reading and engaging with. To do that, you need to go to our Patreon page, which is at patreon.com forward slash Mag, And you can subscribe from as little as a pound a month or lots more. If you'd like to do that, it's up to you. No pressure. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And I will be back really soon. Next up is an interview with Tom and Ol Fuzzard of Roosters Brewery in Harrogate, North Yorkshire. Part of a little project I'm doing, which will also include a full length written profile on our site that I'm putting together. So look out for that in the next few weeks. And there's plenty more podcast material coming after that. Thank you very much for listening. This is the Pellicle Podcast. I'm Matthew Curtis, and I will see you right here very soon. Bye bye.